Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. Praise God. I want to invite you to grab your Bibles. Let's take a look at a verse in Proverbs 27 and drop down the verse 23. We're going to receive the tithes and the offerings. And I want you to notice something very special about this today. Again, Proverbs 27, verse 23. It says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. Amen. There's something about giving careful oversight to your finances, to your business, towards your savings, towards the overall financial portfolio that you have in life and knowing your income, knowing your expenditure, knowing what your budget is, knowing what your savings are. And you have to keep an eye on all of that. Praise God. Amen. And we're actually commanded to be diligent in this area. You know, I was, um, uh, talking to a great man of God some time back, and he told me that, uh, you know, his ministry for quite some time was flourishing and uh, spectacular growth and money just coming in, great expansion on television all over the world and huge television bill. But, you know, they were just streaming and moving right along, so to speak. And he told me that while they had a really long stretch of real good finances, he said, he said it was like for like about 10 months, there was just a real financial dryness and they began to experience ongoing financial shortage. And this great man of God told me that he was just like, Lord, what is going on with my finances? And he went and he talked to the secretary because he felt quickened of the spirit to do this. And he said, you know, we've been having a lot of financial struggles lately is there something we're missing with our tithes? Is, is something about our tithing wrong? And she said, well, uh, Pastor, um, we have not tithed in 10 months. He said, what? She said, we, we haven't tithed in 10 months because we haven't been able to financially. He said, oh. He said, well, there's, that's where the problem is at. So the normal tithe from the ministry that he thought was going out was never going out. And what had happened behind the scenes is that the elders and his secretary was what was the wife of one of the elders. They had decided, well, because things are a little bit tight, we'll just stop tithing. And they never told him. <laughs> By the way, some of the stories that he told me about his elders were classic examples of how not to do it. And oftentimes the Lord will allow you to see some things in your career field uh, that perhaps could be done the wrong way so that when maybe you have your own business or you have your own ministry that you don't allow such mistakes to be repeated in your life. But he quickly re, uh, corrected that situation and things begin to get better quickly. But uh, wow, you're talking about him having the wool pulled over his eyes. Wow. And he really needed a miracle. Matter of fact, they got behind on the rent several hundred thousand dollars. And uh, it just looked like the whole ministry was going to go under because now the landlord 
was upset and uh, he's charging interest and all of this. And so the, uh, the amount was uh, really, really far behind. But this, this great man of God, he brought in Miles Monroe, Dr. Miles Monroe, who's now in heaven. And uh, he told Dr. Monroe what was going on, the great financial challenge. And Dr. Monroe said, oh, it'll be okay. God will do something to get you out of this. And Dr. Monroe received an offering that morning, and the offering was over $400,000, and it paid off all of the back debt. Oh, it was just really spectacular. So overnight, he was out of that deficit. But my friends, you've got to get that tithing online. In other words, be diligent to know the state of your flocks. Sometimes you might think you're tithing, but yet maybe the, the windows of heaven are not open. You're thinking, well, I'm tithing. Well, you need to know for sure, are you actually tithing? Because sometimes if you go and take a look, you might realize, uh, wow, well, I thought I was, but um, I'm really only maybe at 5% or something like that. And a tithe, a, a tithe is only 10%. We can't make it 2% or 1% or something like that. A tithe is 10% of your income, of your increase. And so we want to be careful with that. You know, I heard uh, an old message preached by Amy Simply McPherson, and she told the story of a very wealthy businessman that was in her church that was very wealthy and was a gracious giver and really was a, a prime contributor to her ministry. But he went through a real hard time. And he, uh, after going through months and months of really uh, uh, financial stress that didn't make any sense, he one time just said, I can't take this anymore. And he got on his knees and he prayed and said, Lord, I'm, I've got to have an answer of what's going on here. He said, I'm a tither. You said that in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, that when I tithe and uh, obey you with my finances, then you open the windows of heaven. But he said, something is wrong here. And he said, I'm doing my part. So he said, what's wrong? And he said, the presence of the Lord came in to that room, that office room where he was praying at. By the way, I'm going to be talking today about the subject of the presence of the Lord. And he said, the presence of the Lord came into the room and the Lord came in and he did not see the Lord in person, but he knew the Lord was standing right there. And he said, repeat to me what you just said. And the businessman said, Lord, I'm a tither. I don't understand why this is happening. He said, I, the Lord said, I'm faithful to, to do my part, but you need to go check on your obligation and your responsibility. And he got up quite puzzled and bewildered and went and began to check into the, the outgo of the tithe and found out that he had not actually been tithing for the last, it was like the last eight or 10 months or something like that. And he was just like, well, no wonder. <laughs> Praise the Lord. My friends, let me show you something very quickly. You know this verse, but I want you to understand the meaning of it. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish what? His covenant which you swore to your fathers as it is this day. You have to understand that God's prosperity plan for your life is something that operates on principles that are eternal. So the, the principles are based on a covenant. And what is a covenant? It's a deal between two people. It could be between two parties, okay? In this situation, it's a covenant between you and God. And you, we, we know who the strong person in the covenant is. It's God. 
But every covenant is based on well-defined terms. And when you line up with the terms and the conditions of the covenant now, not until then, but now when you do, now you obligate God to keep his word and perform his part of the covenant. So the financial covenant is rooted in tithing. It is anchored in seed time and harvest, the giving of offerings. And my friends, we just need to check the numbers. So be diligent today to know the state of your flocks. Praise God. Amen. Check the numbers. Hallelujah. Let me tell you right now, the devil is a great legalist. The devil, while he is defeated against the believer, the devil, though, still knows the scripture, although he's never going to obey it. But if a believer is not walking in the light of God's word in certain areas, then the enemy knows he knows he has legal right to do things if there's areas where we're not obeying the Lord. So my friends, make sure that you honor God on covenant principles. The tithe belongs to the Lord. Let's also honor God with, with offerings as the Holy Spirit leads. That way you can enjoy the, the full blessing of God flowing in your life. All right. So today, as we bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse, I want you to be mindful to be uh, diligent to know the state of your flocks. Know the percentage of your giving. Check into that. Know exactly what's coming in. Praise the Lord. Now, if you want to mail in your tithes and offerings and you prefer to bring it in by, by the mail, please send your tithes and offerings to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Our zip code is 28654. Now, if you prefer to bring your tithe and your offering in online, you can go to stephenbrooks.org there at our website. And on the homepage, at, top, at the top, there's a header that says online giving. You can click that and you'll see a little drop down menu. It says fund F U N D hit that little drop down menu and you'll see the area for the tithe. And if you want to give an offering, there's areas where you could give the uh, various types of offerings into. So that is available for you there. Praise God. Now let's do just that. Let's bring the tithes and offerings now into the storehouse of the Lord and God will do his part and the windows of heaven will be opened over your life. Praise God. Father, I pray for your people today that they be sticklers for your word. They be sticklers for your word, that they not fudge numbers and that they not be kind of like a blase type attitude. Well, that's good enough. It must be. In, but Lord, they'll actually know. They actually know the state of their flocks. They know how many sheep they've got how many rams they have. They, they know how many of this or that. They know what belongs to you. So, Father, we just thank you for financial stewardship and faithfulness in these areas. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Bless your people in Jesus' name. And we all say amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. God's blessing is on the life of the tither and of the giver. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. My friends, I want us to go over to Exodus chapter 33, and today we're going to talk about personal encounters with a personal God. Recently, I've been talking about the Lord's visitations, and 
what we would call supernatural experiences with the Lord. And I want to carry along along that same theme today in today's message. And so we are in Exodus chapter 33. I'll meet you in verse 11 and let's open with prayer. Father, as we jump into your word this morning, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come bringing light, illumination, like when they would eat the honeycomb in the Old Testament, there would be the, uh, the brightness of the eyes, the excited moment. Father, we thank you they didn't have sugar all over the place like we have today, so a honeycomb was a rare treat. But Father, as we go into your word, let that same spirit of illumination of the word come forth, the honeycomb of the word come forth in Jesus' name. And we all say, Amen. Now, verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Praise God. You know, I've been asked many times, Pastor Stephen, what are some of the keys that I can utilize to experience the manifest presence of God? Because I've talked to people before that have been in the church for a while, and they've never encountered the Lord's presence. And that's okay, because I believe they're going to. But I would have to say that it's not one singular thing. It's more like a package deal that you kind of pull together and you do certain things that position you to be in a place where you are sensitive to the presence of God. But if I were to maybe try to bring you over into one main area that, that is the best thing that you could utilize to get you into the Lord's presence, I would say that it's found in this verse that Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So what do we see here? You see extreme hunger for God. So if you have that same spiritual hunger, and it really does take the Lord's touch, even the, the psalmist David said, draw me, Lord, and I'll run after you. And there is that anointing, that pull, but you have to cooperate with that. But when you do that, when you experience a heart like Joshua, and you're just after the Lord, that's when you have those encounters. Praise God. And you don't have to fabricate something because something beautiful will manifest of God's glory, God's, pleasant, uh, God's presence, and you'll have your own testimony. You'll have your own personal encounters with a personal God, just like Moses did. And God talked to Moses face to face. And you will also have your own testimonies of your encounters with the Lord as well. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, verse 12, then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray if I have found grace in your sight, Show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, 
if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. And so there's something about the presence of the Lord that gives you that assurance that I've had it come on me at times. Uh, I know from a New Testament perspective, we would call it the spirit coming upon you and a, a, an ability to speak to those maybe at a moment where you don't even expect it, but you're required to give an answer. But along with that anointing to speak or the spirit coming on you, there's actually more with the presence of God where you actually feel uh, not just God on you, but you feel him like all around you and everywhere. You know, I went to a, um, a council meeting one time uh, a little over a year ago, and I just went to visit because they invited me to come. And I went and I, you know, I dressed in a suit and, uh, but I was only there to visit. I'm not there, uh, to talk or anything like that. I'm just there because they, uh, invited me to come. So I went to the, uh, you know, the county's, uh, regular meeting once a month meeting. And I went there and when I went there, uh, and just sat down and relaxed and, uh, you know, met a lot of new people and stuff like that, met everybody on the board and things like that. And they handed out the, um, the, uh, the minutes of what was going to be discussed. And wow, would you believe that my name was on there? And they wanted to um, uh, talk uh, briefly about the things that my ministry is doing and things like that. And I was totally shocked because I didn't even know that my name was going to be on the, on the minutes or anything like that. And so as they're working their way through the minutes, they got to me and they said, well, Pastor Stephen, why don't you stand up and just uh, say a few things? And that was like um, something I wasn't planning for. It's not like I was like praying to go into the meeting or anything like that. But as I sat there, just before I stood up, as I sat there, the Holy Spirit came all over me. I mean, he came all over me, not with just an anointing, but I would say his presence. It's like there was, it was like, it was like within three feet all around me was this like cloud, this like glory. And I just stood up and just began to talk and talk. And we had such a good time and people laughed and people smiled and uh, people even said, praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. But you need God's presence to go with you, to go with you. Woo. Or else, or else. You could be on your own, but you're not on your own as a child of God. But my friends, you need to be aware of this great attribute of the Lord. And Moses even said, Hey, you know, God, I can't, I can't go without your presence. There's, it's just too challenging, too difficult as it is. And basically God said, okay, deal. I'm, I'm with you. God said, I'm going, my presence will go with you. My friends, you need God's presence to be with you also. You know, um, I was flying into uh, India one time. I've been there multiple times and uh, to minister and do some television programs. Excuse me just a moment. Get a little hot water here. Actually, that's hot tea. That's even better. Praise God. And I was flying into India and, you know, it's a long flight. Maybe um, I think it's like a 17 hour flight. You know, all in all, you got to catch a layover somewhere and eventually reach your destination. But just before the wheels of the airplane touched down on the tarmac there on the runway in, uh, of the airport in India, God, God came on the airplane to meet me. Can you believe that? God actually came on the airplane. Now, I, I know 
theologically that as believers, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you and he's there all the time. I, I understand that. But what I'm talking about is different. I'm talking about the, the presence of God manifested there in your midst. And suddenly the, the Lord met me on the airplane, came into the airplane, came right next to me, and God began to sing a song to me. Can you believe that? Now, nobody else heard it because, you know, I'm sure most of the people on the plane weren't, weren't believers, but even if they were, if they had not been in the spirit, they wouldn't have heard it. But it was also prime. It was just solely just for me. And God began to sing the song. Let me, let me say this, by the way, God has an incredible voice. <laughs> Woo, God has an amazing voice. And he began to sing this song that, um, what was the, uh, the, the Imperials sang this song years back. And it went like this. If he carried the weight of the world upon his shoulders, I know my brother that he can carry you. Now I can't really give that song justice because I can't sing it like the Imperials could or like the Lord could, but the Lord began to sing that song to me. And I knew on the inside that as he sang that song to me, there must be some challenging things coming because he said, if I carried the weight of the world on my shoulders, I know how to carry you. And wow, that was one of the hardest trips I've ever done overseas. There were so many things that went wrong. So many uh, equipment failures, so many uh, areas, particularly in one of the main meetings where I was ministering in a meeting before thousands of people and Satan actually walked into the meeting and he stood on the, uh, the dais, what they would call the, the, the platform. And he stood over there and he pointed his finger at me. I mean, he came in, he had the black, he had the black cape. He had the black, the thing on the cape was like going up in the back around the neck. It looked like a Dracula type outfit. And that night I was actually wearing a safari that was a black color. And I had been there previously. We had a blowout revival, but this time it was like all the forces of hell in that area were trying to barricade against another move of God. And Satan himself came into that meeting, came uh, over to a certain part area of the platform. He actually wasn't standing there. He was hovering in the air and he pointed his bony finger at me and he said, you're not going to do good tonight because you're wearing my color. And um, now let me say this, when you are going to minister, for those of you that want to flow in the spirit, you, it is critical. You must stay in the anointing and the devil does all kinds of things to try to pull a minister out of the anointing. Why? If he pulls you out of the anointing, you're not going to get the miraculous results. If he pulls you out of the anointing, that, that super, that, that power of the spirit is not there. So you could still have a nice meeting, but you can't get into the miracles. And he was trying to rattle me. And I, I admit I had to pull real deep because I was depleted. I had, I had, re, I had preached before I did that message. I had preached 30 sermons in one week before I did that one message. So are you talking about depletion? <laughs> I was depleted more than I've ever experienced anything as an athlete. I was way, I was depleted way beyond that. And he tried to hit me and attack me at a really low point, but God got me through and God showed up 
And God helped me because uh, I can't, I couldn't do it on my own. But God broke through and we finally broke through. But I was so wiped out that after I was, I was done, I handed the microphone uh, to the pastor. And the pastor, because of the breakthrough, was so excited. Uh, he said, he said, I want everybody to line back up and I want Pastor Stephen to pray for everybody in here. And a line began to form of over like a thousand people. And I saw that line I, and I was, I was empty beyond anything I've ever been emptied before. And he handed the mic back to me. I just took the mic and I handed it to a buddy of mine, a fellow minister that just happened to come out to the meeting. I said, it's yours. Take it. <laughs> Woo! Can, can you see now? Why God came on the plane. He manifested his presence in a way that was so tangible and so real. He, he stood there and sang a song to me. If I carried the weight of the world on my shoulders, I'll carry you too. And he did carry me. He carried me the, through that meeting. I mean, there was a time I was going to the studio to record on that trip. And the oppression of the enemy trying to attack me, trying to, um, uh, because of, the, of all that was going, you, you have to understand these attacks in the spirit realm get crazy. That's why you cannot be a, uh, a, like a, a play minister. When I go to nations, I don't go to take photos. I'll take photos, but I'm not going there because I'm like a tourist, all giddy and happy. Who get a neck, get a picture of me next to the Taj Mahal. No, no, no. If I, if I do that later, maybe as a wind down Okay, but even then I've got to be on my toes because now the enemy's upset because of what happened. So I, you, you, you have to walk in the spirit. These are dangerous areas. So I was going to the studio uh, and I recorded, and then I was going to go have lunch. And after lunch, because, I mean, during the recordings, the cameras stopped working. Uh, the uh, the sound system, all kinds of unexplainable audio problems happening and stuff like that. Well, they took, me, they took me to lunch because of a break. Might as well go on a break because nothing's working anyhow. And this is like, like high-dollar equipment. You're talking like cameras that are $250,000 a piece and things like that. So we go to lunch, and I felt such a pressure of, that the enemy was trying to put on me that while I was walking, my, I was looking down, and I was trying to pray in the Spirit. And I was looking out, and I walked right into a low-hanging tree branch. And it was a, a big branch. The branch was probably that thick, that big. And I was walking, and it hit me on the forehead. And when it hit, it made a supernatural, like, pow, sound. And I fell out on the ground. And it was like five guys, uh, Christian men from the studio that had gone to lunch with them. When they saw that, they thought maybe I had got, got, gotten killed or something like that. It, but it was like, God, pick me right back up. No bruising, no swelling, no pain. Nothing. It's like the devil took a hit. He punched me as hard as he, and it didn't do anything. I got right back up. <laughs> Woo! If he carried the weight of the world upon his shoulders, I know, my brother, that he can carry you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Brother, sister, God can carry you. Amen. Hallelujah. He can carry the whole world. He can carry you. Praise God. Hallelujah. But we're talking about the manifested presence of the Lord. And Moses said, God, I can't, I can't go unless your presence goes with me. God's like, all right, my presence will go with you. Woo, praise God. Amen. And I know there will be those you're going to have encounters with the presence of 
the Lord in very, I'm talking tangible ways, tangible, real ways. Praise God. I remember one time that my wife and I, while we were in uh, Israel leading a tour and we had our bus, we had our, our tour group on the bus and we were off to the sea of Galilee and we stopped at the sea of Galilee. We checked into our hotel and I told everybody, I said, hey, let's go in the lobby of the hotel. There's a little area over here with real nice green plants and a little waterfall. Let's go over there and I'll do a little Bible study and I'll teach you from the Word of God. And everybody came. We all sat down and we're all happy. And uh, I was getting my notes ready and opened the laptop and I was going to uh, turn it on so that we could stream the meeting. But it wouldn't connect. It's almost like God didn't want it to be streamed. He was going to do something just for that little group that uh, nobody else was privy to. So I was sitting there, and uh, uh, I kind of gave up on the streaming, so I began to get a few notes just to pull out real quick. And while I did that, God walked into the midst of that little meeting that we were having. He walked, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the resurrected Christ, walked right into the meeting and stood there. Now, I did not see him. But his presence was electrifying, and suddenly everybody was like, oh, 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 oh. God, God just walked into the room. Woo! Let me say this, by the way. Pastor Stephen, why do you go to Israel? Why do you take tours to Israel? Look, I've already seen the sights. <laughs> I've swam in the Jordan River. <laughs> it's real cold, by the way. Uh, I've been to Jerusalem, all over, the, all over Jerusalem. I've seen the fake sites. I've seen the genuine sites. I've been through the rabbi tunnels deep underneath Jerusalem. I've done all of that. Well, then why do you go? Well, I go because I want to take people and expose them to the Holy Land because it blesses the Jewish people. And when you're blessing them, God blesses you. And I want also that that 11 days is the equivalent really literally of two years in a theological seminary. That's how rich it is. But I've got to be honest, I also go to meet the Lord. Now, I can't fabricate what he's going to do when he shows up or how he's going to show up or how it's going to take place. But I've never had once when he did not meet us in the land of Israel. So, yeah, I'm going to go. I want to see Jerusalem again. I want to drink the fresh pomegranate juice. I want to walk through the Negev, and I want to consider the steps of my forefather, Abraham. Praise God. But, oh, yeah, there's a higher purpose. I want to, I want to meet the Lord. I wonder, and I'm thinking, I wonder how he's going to show up this time. Mm -mm. So we had a wonderful wonderful meeting at the Sea of Galilee. And so I, you know, taught and stuff like that. And that, that electrifying presence was there the whole time. And then we conclude and we kind of, we kind of walk out and a dear uh, charismatic Catholic lady who was on my tour, a wonderful friend of ours, ministry partner. She walked out of that and she said to me, she said, my God, Pastor Stephen. I said, what? She said, my God. God, she said, she said, God walked into the meeting. I said, yeah. She said, I have never, ever been in anything like that in my life before. And she'd been in the Catholic church all of her, all of her life since a little girl and stuff. And I'm not saying you can't have an encounter in the Catholic church. I'm not saying that by any means, because there are some heavyweight saints uh, in all branches of Christianity. 
praise God. Amen. But she was like, my God, she said, she said, Pastor Stephen, she said, God came and walked into that room that we were in. I said, yeah, you sure did, didn't he? There were people sitting off from a little ways. They could see what was going on. They could see like, uh, like some kind of presence or some kind of like radioactive glory coming out. And people were like, kind of like looking, like listening, like, because uh, God was there. <laughs> Woo! Get ready to meet the Lord in a tangible and real way. I'm not talking about no fake, uh, funny, weird, me hyping you and trying to pump you up uh, to fake you out. No, I'm talking real, real, authentic, genuine encounters with the living God who is absolutely alive and loves to present himself to his people who greatly desire and appreciate his holy presence. Lift your hands and say, I'm ready for a visitation. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you praise. Well, let us never take these things for granted. I, I remember one time in this very sanctuary, we had a service, and I could sense the Lord's presence strongly in the service. And after the meeting was over, one of the ladies uh, who was a visitor had only come one time in her life. She was sitting there. She had her teenage son and daughter. And at that time, my young daughter knew uh, her children. And so they asked my daughter to go to the lunch with them. And I said, yeah, I, I told my daughter, I said, yeah, go, go have fun with them and go to lunch. They're, they're good. They're good people. Uh, you know, it's safe. So, um, cause I knew the teenagers very, very well. And so, uh, they go to lunch. And so, uh, with my daughter, I wasn't there. So my daughter comes back from lunch. She gets home and she says, she says, dad, uh, you wouldn't believe the conversation at the lunch table. I said, well, what, what was the talk about? She said, the mom sat at the table overwhelmed and said, my God, I can't believe it. God came into that church building. <laughs> and my daughter said, well, what do you mean? She said, couldn't you feel it? She said, God was in the room. She said, I've been in church all my life. I've never had that ever happen in my life where God actually came into a, a building. Now, look, you'll always have the theologians or you'll have those that don't understand what I'm trying to get across. Well, they'll say, well, brother and sister. Don't you know that God lives inside of each one of us and Jesus lives on the inside of us by his Holy Spirit? Yes, yes, I understand that. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you. But I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about not just a um, uh, like a uh, what I would call a sweet a sweet spirit. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God's presence manifested where, you know, God's here. God's God's in this meeting. He, he is here in person in this meeting, standing in the room, standing in the room. Woo. Praise the Lord. Amen. And she just was just like, like I have never had that happen again. You know, whoa, Pastor Stephen, she must have come back every service after that. She must have joined the church. She must have said, hallelujah, I want to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. I want, I want everything. That no, no, she never, never came back. Never came back. Why? Didn't have the hunger. Did not have the hunger. Probably still doesn't have it today. 
And that, that's okay. Everybody has to make their own decision. But let me say this. Once you have had it, and you know what the real is, you are righteously ruined for the rest of your life as a believer. Because now you know what gold is, and brass, no matter how much is polished, and we give it the spit shine, and shine it up, and put a light on it, I'm sorry, it's still not gold. It's an inferior product compared to the noble metal of gold. Praise God. Mm, 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 mm. Well, these are things that we do need to consider. We probably should take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 4 just for a moment. Because my friends, I want you to have the real. God wants, God wants you to meet Him in His power and glory. Praise God. I'm not just talking about salvation, although that's the most important thing anybody could ever have. And I'm not just talking about the Holy Spirit, although that is the entrance into the deeper walk, the deeper life with God. But I'm talking about those times where you talk with God face to face, just like Moses did. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Where you have real encounters with the Lord. One time, Actually, the very first time my wife and I were in Israel, we were on tour and we saw various sites. You move throughout the country and eventually, of course, on the tour, you reach uh, the holy city, Jerusalem. And so we went to the Western Wall. And I'll never forget what happened the first time we went to the Western Wall. The men go to the left and the women go to the right. There's a barrier. There's a divider. And so the men are separated from the women. So I go over to where the men go to pray. You touch the Western wall, by the way, Jesus said he prophesied not one stone would be left upon another. That's talking about the temple. So when you look at the Western wall, that's not part of the temple at all. The temple was destroyed stone by stone. There's nothing left of it. The Western wall is nothing but a retaining wall. Just like if you have a garden in your backyard, but it's a, a, a slope and drops off, you build a retaining wall so that you don't have the whole thing wash out. That's all the Western Wall is, just a big, gigantic, well-designed um, retaining wall built by Herod the Great. Okay? So, I go over to the Western Wall. Kelly's over here. Now, to the Jewish people, because the temple has been, has been completely destroyed, that Western Wall is the is the point of contact where it ties them the best way possible they can in their hearts back to the temple that is no longer there. So they're, as you, as you could say, they're out of orbit. And as we know, God's done with the temple. Uh, when, the, when the veil was torn in two, the whole system of Judaism was now fulfilled and complete. And so God now moves into the life of the heart of the believer, and we are now the temple of the living God. Nevertheless, of course, uh, the Jewish person who is not born again and doesn't know Jesus doesn't know that. So they still see the Western Wall as their touch point of their faith. Well, I put my hand on the wall, and if I'm correct, I'm trying, I can't remember if it was my left or right hand, but I put my hand on the wall. At the same time, I didn't know this, but my wife was putting her hand on the wall. And when I put my hand on the Western wall for the first time, and I've been back there multiple times, it's never happened again. But the first time I ever did it, I put my hand on the wall and I heard ka-thump, ka-thump, ka-thump. 
I heard the hugest heartbeat. And it was the heartbeat of Almighty God. Now remember, uh, God's name is actually written over Jerusalem. And if you were to look down from it, uh, from space, like on Google Maps, uh, the name of God is actually written on the heels of Jerusalem. And so God's name is there. God's presence is still there. Uh, all the prayers and uh, uh, God's love and care for the Jewish people. And I tell you, I felt the heartbeat of God. It had been no different if I'd have taken my hand, gone to heaven, and put my hand on the heart of the Father. It would have been absolutely no different at all. I put my hand on that wall. I heard thump, thump, the massive heartbeat of God beating the love for his Jewish people. He still has a covenant with them. It's not a covenant of, of salvation through the born again experience. That's why they need Jesus. And that's why we preach the gospel to the Jews and to the whole world. Praise God. But he still has a covenant with them and he's going to fulfill it. Amen. Now my wife, she's over there also. When she put her hand on the wall, same thing. Kathump, kathump, kathump. And it was like a deep bass, like kathump, kathump. And it was very like booming, powerful. Well, we had those uh, experience with God's manifested presence. We finished our time of prayer, joined back up, and I was wanting to tell her. She was wanting to tell me, and she said, she said, Stephen, when I put my hand on the wall, uh, which is called the wailing wall or the prayer wall, she said, I felt the heartbeat of Father God. I said, well, my goodness. I said, the same thing happened to me, and I'm not the only one. We're not the only ones that has happened to Hallelujah. I pray that God would connect you to the land of Israel. That uh, that's what Beulah would mean. By the way, this old church building was, which is, um, uh, which was established in 1877 and goes back to 1830 uh, was originally called Beulah. What does Beulah mean? It's a Hebrew word that means married to the land. So I love Israel, not just because, you know, um, how can I say I have like a generic love for Israel and the Jewish people? I actually feel like tied. There's actually something in me like there's like I've got to go. There's there's a spiritual connection. It's like I got married. The, the Jewish people called you get married to the land. And that's what hit me and my wife. But that day <laughs> we got never been the same. Amen. <laughs> Does that happen to everybody that comes? No, some just come as tourists. And, you know, everybody needs to come at least once in their life. But uh, some you get you get you get that touch you have that encounter, and that's something special that God does for you. But again, a lot of this comes out of extreme hunger. You really want to know God. You want to encounter the Lord with His mighty presence. Praise God. Now, First Samuel, uh, chapter four, verse ten. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated. And every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter, and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Also the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. So the messenger answered and said, verse 17, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And... The ark of God has been captured. Then it happened when he, Eli, 
made mention of the ark of God that Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck was broken and he died for the man was old and heavy and he had judged Israel 40 years. Now his daughter-in-law Phineas's wife was with child due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman, uh, excuse me, the women who stood by her said to her, do not fear for you have borne a son, but she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Then she named the child Ichabod saying the glory has departed from Israel. What is the glory? It's the manifested presence of God. The Jews called it the Shekinah, which is this uh, presence. Sometimes it would be like a cloud. Sometimes it can be like fire. Sometimes it's like you're, you're like in this, you're like lost in this cloud. You can't see anything but the glory. Praise God. Other times I've had it where I've been in, I was in a meeting one time where it rained. We're inside a room. uh, um, It was like a, uh, uh, like a, what was it called? Like a big, like theater, stage theater uh, with the roof on it and everything like that. So we're inside a roofed building in a very intense uh, praise and worship time. And the Holy Spirit fell and everybody in the room got rained on. And with my eyes open, you could see golden raindrops coming down on everybody. And then as they were falling, you, you, you couldn't help but just start ecstatic laughter. <laughs> it didn't matter if, maybe if you came in there, you're depressed, you had a horrible day, horrible month, horrible year. The moment that golden rain hit your head, you, 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 it's God touching you and God knows where your funny bone is at. You start to giggle and you start to laugh and it just went off the charts and it began to rain faster and faster and faster. <laughs> and the laughter was just hilarious to the point you're, you're like, it's you're you're like under that glory, but it's falling on you. And there is a part where you think, I don't know if I can take much more of this before. Maybe we're all going to like explode or something. <laughs> Woo. Praise the Lord. But, but then it will begin to dial down because God knows we're all in human bodies and he can't, you know, just blow us all up. We can only take so much in these physical human bodies. But wow, wow, you're talking about incredible manifested presence of God. Amen. Incredible. Golden raindrops coming down, coming down on everybody, coming all over my head. I looked at my friend, my associate who traveled with me from the States, and he was like, we're both like, well, it's like raining in here. Woo. Praise God. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Well, she named the child Ichabod, excuse me, which means what? The glory has departed. Verse 22, and she said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. Now, here's our challenge for the modern day church. We have to contend for the glory. We have to contend for the manifested presence. And I know that we need to witness. We need to share Jesus with others. And at the same time, um, when that glory and that presence is strong, strong on you, you—it's not so much that you're witnessing as you just become a witness. You become 
A witness, by the way, witness in the Greek also means a, a living martyr. You're like this martyr that your life is completely surrendered and, giving, and given over to God. It doesn't mean you're going to have your head cut off with a guillotine and be physically martyred, but it do, that's actually what it means. Your life is completely given over to the Lord, and you're empowered with the Holy Spirit. Woo, thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. But you become a living witness, and we need to, we need to contend for that. Because anytime the glory leaves, something, my friends, please catch this, something will always fill the vacuum. And that something that's there when it's not the authentic, something will always be there to fill it. And the church, uh, particularly in America, has tried to fill it through what I would call excellence. And I'm all into excellence. I, I, like, I like order. And God likes order also. And I like the lighting right. I especially like the sound right. I don't like music or, or speakers that are so loud it actually hurts your ears. I don't like that. I don't like that. If it's like that, I'll move to the back. Um, I, I don't like that. Um, so I like excellence. But what can happen is that if we don't have the presence, what we, what we can try to do is we try to fake it out in a sense where we make everything so comfortable, the service so smooth, it's timed to a T. Even the praise and worship is timed to a T that if the praise and worship were to stop, but the glory was coming in and you were to say, hey, let's sing that one more time. They can't. They've already got it all so scripted and so sculpted that uh, they, can't, they can't even go back and do it again. And so now the danger is that we are now relying on our human ability to best try to bring brass in to substitute for the vacancy of gold. And while it, it can shine and it can give that appearance, it's still not the real thing. Praise God. And so we need to contend for the glory. You know, I'll give you an example. If you look at the NFL, the National Football League, there is a level of excellence in all that they do. When you look at their announcers on the sports channels, they're wearing suits. Uh, they're trying to present excellence in all they do. The players are paid really well. The stadiums are nice and neat. There's concessions. There's, there's a professionalism in their broadcasting, in their video, uh, uh, you know, in the highest levels that are possible. The, the teams have beautiful uniforms, and uh, everything is done par excellence. But you know what? They could fill up a stadium of 70,000 spectators, and the people can shout and cheer, and the game can be, like, emotionally captivating. But you know what? In that atmosphere, though, there'll never be one healing. Did you ever stop to think about that? As excellent as it is, as well orchestrated as it is, despite all the millions pumped into it to make it the pinnacle of like a sensory experience, not one healing will ever take place. You know what? There's never been one person at an NFL football game 
who said, I tell you what, I really enjoyed the Super Bowl. This game has moved me so much. And the halftime performance, uh, uh, you know, and all of this and all of that. I tell you what, it's touched me so deeply that I, right now, I want to I give my life to Jesus because of what I have seen. That has never happened, and it never will. Why? It is 100% completely void of the presence of God. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. But when you get into the manifested presence, you get into miracles, you get into God talking to you because he's a real God. He's a real person. He's not a fog. He's not a vapor. He's not like Star Wars, which is actually now a religion that some actually belong to where they worship the force. That's really getting into Eastern mysticism, Hinduism, and things like that. You know, this all, all encompassing force. No, that the force is a farce. So God is a person. And when the person shows up, he carries his presence. Woo! And it's holy. It's beautiful. And we need to learn to reverence it. And we need to learn to, what I would say, we need to learn to be sensitive to it. Because when the presence of the Lord begins to come in, that's not the time that you leave to go to the bathroom. That's not the time that you leave to go to get a, a drink of water. That's not the time that maybe you start texting. No, that's the time you pull back and say, okay, let's slow everything down. God's beginning to move. We want God to come on the scene. Praise God. I want to share a secret with you. I pray that for the rest of your life on planet earth, that you never forget this and that you will be wise and you will position yourself for this. I'm going to share with you a secret right now. The greatest miracles in my ministry, and I've talked to other ministers also, it's, it's consistent. The greatest miracles I have ever seen in my ministry are never at the beginning of a meeting. They're never in the middle of the meeting. They're never when I first start praying for people. They're always, they're always, please listen, they are always at the very, very end just when the whole thing's almost over with. They're so far at the end that most of the people have already left. Even the curiosity seekers have left. Those that have no real hunger for God, but they love God, they, they have left. Um, uh, even those that might have a little bit more seeker of a heart, but they, they've already left too, because, you know, whatever. But the ones that stick all the way to the end, just before everything is completely done, that's when God has, in my experience, He's always done the craziest, strangest, most unusual, most wondrous miracles I've ever seen. Always at the end. Always when the crowds are gone. Always, always over and over and over again. Does that not mean that he does them publicly right in front of others? Absolutely. Absolutely. But there's something of what I would call these real sacred things. I'm talking where God gets up close and personal. Because, look, there's been all kinds of miracles over the centuries, over the millennia. There's been healings of this and that and all kinds of miracles. And, and we thank God for all of that. And that's beautiful. But some things that are real sacred, that are not even meant for mass consumption, when the cameras are turned off and you've only got those that are really, really hungry, that's when God does some stuff that'll, woo! I mean, it'll make your head spin. 
It'll make your head spin. He'll do it right in front of your eyes, too. <laughs> if you will remember that, if you'll remember that, you'll have one of the most golden nuggets to walk with for the rest of your life. Mm, mm, mm. Praise God. Sometimes there might only be 12 people. You could have, you could have 2,000 people there. Everything's cooking and good stuff's happening. But it starts, you know, it starts to wrap up and wind down. Uh, and you get to the end. And you get to the very end. You may only have 12 people left standing there. Watch what God pulls out. Woo! Yeah, but you'll never, you'll never know unless you stick around. Mm-mm. Pastor Stephen, you got a scripture for that? After Jesus was raised from the dead, at one time, he appeared to over 500 people physically. Hey, touch me. Here I am. Touch me. Come check me out. Over 500 people alive saw him. Yet on the day, yet on the day of Pentecost, how many were in the upper room? Five, oh, Pastor Stephen, 500. Everyone was waiting to see what Jesus was going to do, who he was going to send through the Holy, how, uh, the Holy Spirit. They were, they were ready. Uh, no, I don't know where the other 380 were at. They weren't there, but 120 were. Praise God. Praise God. Glory, glory. God wants to do some things for you. But again, while uh, it's not one singular thing, it's more of a package of things that you begin to pull together in your life to become sensitive to the presence and to step into it and enjoy it when he manifests. But I would say, I would say that probably the greatest thing is I would just call extreme pursuit, not casual pursuit. You'll, you'll never know it. Maybe, maybe one or two your whole life. That, that's it. And they'll be sovereign and they probably won't be repeatable on any type of consistent basis. But with extreme pursuit, yeah, you'll find yourself there. <laughs> Absolutely, you will. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. But my friends, let us guard our hearts from substitutes for the manifested presence. Whether it's excellent presentation, and we thank God for that. And if God's not manifesting in that sense, we're going to go right ahead and, and preach the word and present the gospel with excellence. But we should be having some glory around here somewhere at times as we're walking with God. Absolutely. And it begins in your personal life. Mm -mm. Because when you can flow in it as an individual, trust me, when we have our times when we're together as believers, as a body of believers, things get very interesting very quick. You can go off the deep end real quick. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. Um, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. I've seen situations. I'll give you an example. A meeting one time where a minister, a, a very good minister, very large ministry. He just came back from an overseas trip and he's got to speak at a major conference and he just came back, but he's, he's wiped out. He had depleted himself, which was fine. That's what he should have done in the previous meeting. But he booked these mega meetings, these mega conferences, like back to back. And it is it's challenging to carry that anointing consistently without having breaks. If you don't take a break, you will absolutely burn out. And you need to know also that the churches, uh, the church in general doesn't care if you burn out and there's a gift. It's like a feeding frenzy and uh, people, they, they, they're going to want that and they'll deplete you. And so if you don't take time to recuperate, to rest, 
They have a Sabbath day off to go up on the mountain like Jesus did and pray. They will absolutely burn you out. And, and, if, and if you burn out and crash, that, that's on you <laughs> because the, the church will just keep on going. <laughs> so you have to be careful. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, so I would just say in that area, be, be careful. Be careful. I wasn't even sure really where I was going with that. I think I lost my point. Hallelujah. But I'll just move on and say this. Just um, uh, guard, guard the real thing in your life. And don't let anything supplant the real thing. Because there's a lot, of, um, a lot of things. Yes, thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me go back to the speaker. He had just done this international conference. I've, actually, I've seen it multiple times, especially when they're running internationally. And so he had just gotten back from across the, the, uh, the ocean. He's jet lagged. He shows up and he's depleted and he's ministering, but he's totally depleted. Well, what do you do? Well, you could lean on the, the Lord's mercy, but he just, he stepped up what I would call the emotionalism. And while I, I love good preaching, like the hooping, you know, some preachers could really hoop it and some have a gift to do it. And I love good preaching. But he was hooping it like I'd never seen before. But it's, it was all in the flesh. And uh, there were no miracles. There's no glory. And he was just depleted. So sometimes we try to um, hype it more, push it more, turn the music up louder, play a faster song, or let's jump. Get the people jumping. Look, I've been in, I've been in meetings before where there was so much hoop in it and so much work in it that by the time the service is over, you feel you're soaked with sweat. I mean, literally you are. Everybody is. You're soaked with sweat. You've been jumping, shouting. Your voice is, ho is hoarse. You're sweat. You, you go home and you're just wiped out. You are absolutely wiped out and got to do it again next Sunday. Got to do it again next Sunday. Wow. So I, I, I like Electrified services. I like I like shouting. I, I like all of that. But um, if the glory in the presence is not there, you will wear yourself out. You will wear yourself out. So be careful in these areas. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Well, when the Holy Spirit begins to move, you want to begin to slow down. Begin to slow down. And honor the Lord's presence. There have been times I've been in prayer and the prayer time ended. I've had this happen multiple times. And when the prayer time ended, I felt happy, I had a wonderful time with the Lord, and I would begin to stand up. But I would notice something's happening. What's happening? I'm beginning to detect His presence. Well, Pastor Stephen, didn't you feel God's presence when you were in prayer? Well, yes, but that's more of like what I would call the sweetness of the Lord. That's like what I would call sweet fellowship. But the presence means he's coming. He's coming. And I really do believe that you could be around the presence of certain, let's say, kings or nobility or national leaders. And even if your eyes were closed, you could still sense a shift in the atmosphere. And I remember one time my daughter and I were walking through a shopping store in New York City, and we were just, we were actually standing next to a, a like a little area where perfumes 
were sold. Real nice perfume. We were standing there just kind of looking at the different perfumes. And it's like the atmosphere changed and walked right, right. A man walked right up next to me and right past me. It was the acting secretary of state of our nation. And he walked right past me, stood there, and he met uh, some uh, representatives that just flew in, the leaders from the, from the United Arab Emirates, and they actually stood just a few feet away from me, and we were talking. And you could feel a shift in the atmosphere. Praise the Lord. Now, the Lord's glory that's on him is off the chart. It's, it's beyond anything like a presidential type feel or, you know, like an executive national type. It's a different light. It's like a king, holy, uh, all mixed in together. And it's just, uh, you know, there, there's only one Jesus. Let me say that. Amen. But I've had times where I would stand up after a wonderful prayer time, but I could, I could suddenly sense he's coming. He's coming. Well, Pastor Stephen, what do you do? Get right. I, I've got, when that's happened, I get right back down on my knees and I've, there's been times I've seen, him, I've seen him walk through the wall and stand before me and then begin, to, you know, in a vision, supernatural vision, and begin to share things with me. But I, I could have missed that. I could have gotten up and walked out. But you have to welcome the manifested presence of the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe the Lord wants to visit you. I believe that Jesus wants you to know him in a very personal way. This is something that goes beyond the intellectual study of theology. And look, your mind is a muscle. You need to exercise it. You need to use it. I'm big on education. I'm big on reading. I'm big on developing the intellect that God gave you. But this is what I'm talking about is a spiritual sense. And your intellect needs to learn to yield to the spiritual sense when that is now picking something up. Praise God. So what I'm talking today is while you can know theology and you can know the book, you can know Hebrew and Greek and uh, maybe even paleo Hebrew and stuff like that and be very well versed in that. This is a different realm. And so you need to let your intellect yield to the hunger of your heart to encounter the Lord. And yes, we are all for good doctrine. Amen. But remember, the Holy Spirit, he'll come and you'll pick that up with your spirit. Uh, we, and your spirit will register it with your mind. And so then just yield and go with that flow and receive what God has for you. Praise God. Because remember, you can come to a place where you know Tremendous knowledge of God's word, but we have to be careful because Paul said that knowledge puffs up. There is a potential for pride or like egotism to sneak in. But if you stay like a child, there are some things that I mean, even Jesus rejoiced and said, Father, you have hidden this from the wise and the prudent. You've hidden it from them on purpose, and you've only revealed it to the babes. In other words, you've, you've only revealed it to those who are really hungry and who really want to know you. So there are some things that can bypass even those that could have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, letters and numbers after their name, which is a very honorable thing. But this is more of a spiritual knowing. Praise God. And God wants you to know him one on one, not just a letter 
of the word, but the person that wrote the book. Praise God. Meet the author. Amen. Behind the book. Lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for those that are watching today that something has been lit in them, just like the, the flame of my candle that burns. Lord, I just extend that right now to them, and I like their candle. I like their flame. Thank you, Father, by your spirit. Hallelujah. And I thank you for their hearts coming alive to seek you and that they will have their own encounters with you that they document so that they are not forgotten. And so they're, they're not misconstrued later, but they're written down what you would say to them upon your visitation, upon your presence being manifested, whether it was something sung to them, whether it was something said to them or something revealed to them. Now, Father, we thank you for this, and we give you praise in Jesus' name, and we all say, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, if you're watching today, and perhaps you're intrigued by the reality of the living God coming and revealing himself to you, my friends, put your faith in the Lord today. Give your life to the Lord. Amen. And get to know him. He wants... He loves you so much. God wants to reveal himself to you. And even many that are watching right now, you are experiencing his presence. There are people watching me right, right now. You've never known God, but there is the presence of God right there in the room, right where you're at, right in that place where you're at. And you're encountering God's presence right now. And so receive the Lord right now. Maybe you are a Christian, or excuse me, you used to be a Christian, but you fell away from God. You need to rededicate your life to the Lord right now, because you're experiencing God's presence right now. You haven't felt it for years. You have been so dry and so dead. You've been so far away from God. Come back right now. God will restore you right now. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Those of you that don't know the Lord or need to come back to the Lord, I want you to pray this prayer right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm not running from you anymore. I surrender my life to you. Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart. Wash me with your precious blood. Thank you, Jesus. Step into my life. And lead me and guide me from this day forward. I thank you for your presence that I'm experiencing right now. Jesus, you and I, let's be best friends. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, for restoring me back to you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> God is a good God. God is a good God. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. Amen. And you have responded to the kindness of God. He loves you so much. He has manifested his presence to you. And it's only just the beginning. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now let's receive Holy communion today. I want you to grab some grape juice and some unleavened bread. This, these are these little thin crackers. If you don't have these, go get a little cracker, a little wafer. Okay. And let's pray. Father, we bless the bread and the juice, and we set this apart as being holy through this prayer. And we thank you that we now receive the body and the blood of our Savior. 
Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we thank you for the manifested presence of the Lord Jesus in our lives. We thank you, O oh God. We give you praise. We thank you for beautiful encounters with your glory, your power. Amen. Father, we thank you that the secret things belong to them that fear you, that have a deep reverence, respect, and worship of you. Thank you, Father, for the secrets, the beautiful things that you're going to be sharing with your people. We thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive together the Lord's body. Can I share something with you? Not everything that God reveals to you or shares with you is for public consumption. Some things are just for you. You might not be even able to tell that many people about it because it's just too sacred, too holy, too, too precious because it was just for you. I, I've had the Lord tell me some things I can't even tell my wife. And I tell her almost everything, but I've had him tell me some things that were so sacred and so spoke to the core of my life in him. I couldn't tell anybody. It's just for me. You're going to have some moments like that. Praise God. Amen. You're going to have some moments like that. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from sin so that we can have a clean conscience a good conscience with you and with anybody else on the planet. And Father, we completely forgive anybody who would have sinned against us. We bless them, we forgive them, and we move on and continue on with you. We thank you, Father, we have aught against no one. Father, we give you praise for the blood of Jesus. We receive it now. Father, when we see this, it looks like grape juice, but it is the blood of Christ veiled in the form of grape juice we now receive the Lord's blood, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive and drink together. When you wake up in the morning, say, Jesus, I love you. Uh, even if you wake up with pain, even if you wake up, you didn't get a very good sleep, even if you wake up and you had a bad dream, wake up and say, Jesus, I love you with everything in me, and I'll serve you all the days of my life. Amen. When you go to bed at night, tell the Lord. I mean, so don't always be asking God for things. Pour out your love on the Lord. When you, when you go to bed at night, say, Jesus, I love you. I love everything about you. I like everything about you. You're, you're, everything about you is perfect. Talk to the Lord like that, and get ready for your own encounter with God's manifested presence. Amen. Thank you. I pray that you have a great week and I'll see you back again real soon. Bye-bye.